welcome to today's episode of Juicing the Numbers, your statistics, and sports podcast. I am one of your hosts, Joshua Tracy. And I am the other, Corbin And we've done a whole bunch of baseball-related podcasts recently since baseball season is fully upon us. However, there is one other major event happening, and the month of April comes about at the end of every month, just like jolly old St. Nick at the end of December. And that, my friends, is the most sacred day in all of the pigskin religion. That is the NFL draft. When Papa Goodell comes down the chimney to drop off prospects. Uh, and it's the best day of the year. <laughs> best day of the year. Um that's right, folks. Seven from from recording of this, we are seven days, twenty-one hours, fifty minutes, and twenty-five seconds from draft day, which means Corwin and I are going to do some mock draft shit and talk about what positions uh, are uh, the teams on the board need, who is likely to be taken, and what the implications of that may be for those teams. Implication. Implication. Yeah taking quarterback yeah 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 yeah. so there's been a bunch of trades already so the draft board already has a bunch of markings in it we talked about the jets or sorry the um uh miami wheeling and dealing in the first round uh the jets have a couple first round picks the jaguars have a couple first round picks um so there's plenty to get into we'll probably we'll see where we're at it's kind of late here on the east coast we had uh, a hell of a time getting this shit scheduled so we might not be able to get through all 32 in which case this will probably end up being 16 today and then 16 um in the episode that will come out on monday of next week um yeah so anyway the big hitters are up front so corbin shall we get started yeah so number one pick in the draft the jacksonville jaguars it's the only certain pick in the draft. It's probably one of the most certain picks that we've had in the past couple of years because there's literally 0% chance that they go anywhere else other than Trevor Lawrence, quarterback out of Clemson. It's set in stone. Kids, you know, best prospects since Andrew Luck, best quarterback prospects since Andrew Luck. That goes hand in hand. I got the order of those incorrect. Uh, emphasis lost. But yeah, Trevor Lawrence, easy pick. No need to spend too much time. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we haven't seen the Jaguars be active in the quarterback market at all um, or heard their name in trade rumors at all out of the first round pick because it is so incredibly certain as to what they are going to do. So, yeah. Yeah. Next up is your New York Jets. Josh, has your opinion of who you want to get taken at number two change since we last talked about it? Um, I'm not really sure I had a definite guy here. Um, so the number, the, the, the two quarterback names I hear floated about the most since Josh is an NFL man and is not a um, college football man. I know nothing about college football. My college didn't have a football team. Um, I never felt there was a reason for me to pay attention to it. Go Roadrunners. Zoom, zoom, baby. Um, Mm. (laughs) We don't actually say that, but now we do. Uh, 
But anyway, the two names I've been hearing the most are Justin Fields and Zach Wilson. Um, and I'm going to go ahead and say that I have faith in whichever one Joe Dougie takes and um, I will be content, but I have no strong feelings. Should I have strong feelings, Corwin? Tell me how to feel. You shouldn't have strong feelings. I feel like if it's either one of these guys, you should be happy. Uh, I think surprisingly, which is counter to what a, a lot of people I feel like have been saying, maybe it's just something I've noticed when it, I do see it because I, I feel the opposite. I feel like Justin Fields is the safer of the two picks. Um, I feel like facing that kind of limelight with what he's had to do at Ohio State, with the experience he has, with the um, – oh, what's the term for it? Um, not prodigy, but, like, he's he's had that – prospect level he's had he's been the guy since his junior year of high school you know he was 1b to trevor lawrence's 1a coming out of the the high school ranks went to georgia uh didn't work out went to ohio state it worked out and i have them going with zach wilson because i think he has the chance to be something special in the same vein as Patrick Mahomes in that he is going to be a guy who can perform all over the field. He can move around the pocket. He can move behind the line. He can fire off throws from, from so many different arm angles. Um, he has that X factor playmaking innate superpower that we see from Pat Mahomes. And while by no means is this me saying he's going to even approach what Patrick Mahomes has done in the NFL so far. I think he's the guy worth the risk at number two uh, for the New York Jets. I'm with it. Um, you know, yeah, it's, it's tough to see at whoever we end up taking having a rougher time here than Sam Darnold just went through. And I don't even, again, necessarily mean that in any way to be disrespectful towards Sam Darnold. It's just that he got fucked. Um, did he elevate the team beyond the limitations that the team gave him? Probably not. But at the same time, the team fucked him. And to expect anybody to come in here and just be like, what, no wide receivers, no offensive line, and no running backs? I got it. Um, that's unreal. Not everyone's Aaron Rodgers. Um, in fact, almost nobody is. And I, it's tough for me to look at whoever we get right now in the relatively stable and promising position we're in with both the GM and coaching staff that we have at hand um, to say that whoever we, we take is coming in at a worse or comparable position to Sam Donald's position. I think mm -hmm. he's going to probably end up having a pretty decent offensive line for once. Um, since I'm spoiler alert, kind of expecting the jets to maybe flex some draft capital at 23 on an offensive lineman, if not a wide receiver. So either way, probably an offensive weapon, but spoiler alert, they don't. Ooh, corn has a different thing. Mm -hmm. um, but we shall see point point being though. I, I, I expect this team to actually be, it, I can't possibly imagine them being worse. Um, 
And I am a Jets fan and I've been a Jets fan my entire life. And believe me, I, I, I genuinely, I mean, also they, they won uh, two, two games, three games, two games. Yeah. They have the second pick of the draft. Yeah, How like could you they, imagine them being worse? They literally can't be much worse. Much so, worse. They can be worse. There's still be, room. They can be a little worse. So, yeah, I feel when okay was, about it. When was the last time the Jets had the first overall pick? Oh, fucking, I don't know, man. They take, uh, what's that wide receiver's name? Like, K. Kelvin Winslow. It wasn't Kelvin Winslow. Um, I forgot the guy's name. Uh, Keyshawn Johnson. Is that him? Um, I'm looking. Have to Google it. I'm looking. Mark Sanchez was a fifth overall pick. DeBrickashaw Ferguson was a fourth overall pick. Keyshawn Johnson DeWayne was Carson the was top overall pick in 1996. Look at Corwin with the trivia yeah. knowledge. Wow, the Jets had a first round pick or the first overall pick and took a wide receiver and also took wide receiver with their first pick in the second round. Way to go, Jets. Not a Hall of Fame guy. Kind of close. Keyshawn Johnson. They they did good. God, this is going to get me sucked down the rabbit hole of seeing who else was taken in 1996. Um, just... No quarterback taken in the first round in 96. Wow. That's kind of wild. Who do you think Ogden. was... The... Tony Eddie Banks. George, Tony Harrison, Banks was the first quarterback Ray taken Lewis. in the 96 draft. I don't even know who the fuck that is. Wow. Tampa Bay Buccaneers went with a fullback with the fifth pick in the second round. It was my call stop, but like at the same time, like, damn. All right. I can't do this. I can't do this. I'll be lost forever. Uh, San Francisco, they're taking Justin Fields. I, I don't know why Mac Jones would ever be in consideration here. Uh, another spoiler alert. I, I don't think he's anywhere close to the, the tier that Justin Fields or Trey Lancer in. Um, no, I'm convinced this is all like the worst smokescreen ever attempted. Yeah. It's, Who is it's, believing this? Uh, not me. A bunch of people on Twitter. Sure. But not me. Not like, I'll be honest. Like, I don't want to be that hipster guy, but it's been Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, Trey Lance, and then a gap, and then Mac Jones for a while now. Like it hasn't moved much since since Zach Wilson really kind of broke out. And goddamn, I just don't know. I we'll see, we'll see. Uh, but yeah, Justin Fields, I think the quote-unquote issues that people are saying he has with processing and reading the field and things like that are the same things they said about Deshaun Watson because that's the system they ran at Clemson when he was there. He doesn't have to move past his first read at Ohio State because like 78, 80% of the time, his first read's just wide open. Why would you move on to the second if the first is open? That's how you play football. But that's just boiling it down to, to you know, basic level. People are overthinking this. The dude has equally, if not higher potential than, than Trevor Lawrence. It's If it works out for him, he's going to be something special. We'll just see if he can kind of have a team around him to support that while he gets there. The Jets 
I think they can be, but they're not there yet. The 49ers are there and he would be dropping into a, a near perfect situation and by far, by far the best situation for a quarterback for any team that's even going to remotely think of drafting one this year, higher than, you know, New England, higher than New Orleans, any of those other teams, you know, even Atlanta, I'd put San Francisco above them. Um, so speaking of Atlanta, they are kind of the keystone piece in this draft where it all comes down to what they decide to do. And I, to me, I think there's four options for them. Trey Lance, Penai Sewell, Jamar Chase, Kyle Pitts. And man, I just, I am so torn about where they should go uh, on one hand. Another receiving threat is always an option. A tight end who could play in the way that Arthur Smith, you know, uses tight ends, but with the ability far surpassing any other tight end that he's ever had would be just incredible, especially with Hayden Hurst there. We always talk about the, the importance of building the trenches and getting the best offensive tackle prospect and a guy that can be your starting left tackle for the next decade plus and do it at a high level is immensely valuable. But at the end of the day, the Atlanta Falcons are drafting fourth overall in a position where nobody expects them to approach in the foreseeable future. And it's a wild surprise. They're even here now. Matt Ryan is getting into his thirties and is not going to be around forever and is has a contract that he can, they can get out of after next season. So taking a guy like Trey Lance, who is probably going to need some marinating time coming from the FCS level, not playing uh, more than a singular game in 2020. Man, uh, I think Trey Lance is the option here. Four straight quarterbacks to start out the first round. Uh, I think he can be something really good as well, uh, especially in that Atlanta offense that's already there. Give my, give Matt Ryan a, a farewell tour like they did with Derek Jeter in New York. Let Trey Lance learn a thing or two. You know, give him some experience where he can, when you can. And uh, get yourself the guy of the future because you're not going to be in this position for a while. And I know it's tough to look down the barrel of four straight quarterbacks to start the draft because, you know, you would think at some point within those first four, a team might go, our guy got taken, let's like hop down a couple picks. And that certainly could still happen, assuming that, there's a potential trade partner there for Atlanta or probably not San Francisco. They just traded up, but Atlanta who isn't quarterback needy and they don't think that there's a risk. But the thing about these four quarterbacks being taken is that these are all teams that kind of need them. Mm -hmm. Um, Jacksonville literally doesn't like they, they need a quarterback. The jets need a quarterback. The Niners situation might not seem as desperate, but it might be the most desperate situation because they have a window that is currently open. And if they don't manage to capitalize on it, it's going to get ugly fast to the point where they're drafting a quarterback in a few years because they're scraping together four wins. If they're lucky, 
Um, so that's – and then, like Corbin just said, while the Falcons might not seem like they're primed and ready to compete, this getting a quarterback now could delay um, or prevent a couple three-win seasons in a rough division um, by giving them an early start at some level of, uh, of a on-the-fly rebuild kind of deal. Yeah, it, it it's wild to see four quarterbacks start off the first round, but at the same time, the four teams that are there, obviously, you know, San Francisco moved up to be in that position. They are all at different positions in their rebuild or or reload, but all four of them make total sense with taking a quarterback here, which is yep. what happens when you have five first-round quarterbacks and four needy teams to start it off. So closing out the top five, the Cincinnati Bengals, probably the best position in this draft. They got their guy, Joe Burrow, last year. They're going to have two this is basically of just a different first targets. overall pick. Right. It's they're getting the first overall pick and they're going to have, well, there's the chance Atlanta goes with Sewell, Chase, or Pitts. If so, okay, they have two of the three options at their disposal right there for them, and none of them are bad. Um, I originally put Chase here, Jamar Chase, wide receiver out of LSU. I, I, there's just something about reconnecting him with Joe Burrow and seeing that for the next decade, and I just, oh, that would be fantastic, but I just cannot get over the fact that Joe Burrow will be killed if they do not take an offensive tackle here and Sewell is so good he would basically be the left bookend to your two first round offensive tackle picks taken in the two of the last three drafts with Jonah Williams Um, and having T Higgins there having Tyler Boyd there you have guys a wide receiver is going to be there in the second round that is going to be able to come in and produce Obviously, having a guy like Kyle Pitts would be a a super interesting wrinkle, but I think for the Bengals, it's Chase or Sewell, and Sewell is just a smarter option for them. That's all I got to say. Cool. All right. Number six, Miami Dolphins. I think they are basically going to look at, all right, who are the Bengals taking? Okay, who are the Falcons taking? Whatever the third one is that's left, the second or third one there, that's who they're taking. So in this case, the Dolphins are taking Jamar Chase. Get to a, a, a premier wide receiver threat. They have Devontae Parker. They have Preston Williams. They have Mike Kosicki. In this case, they have a choice between uh, Jamar Chase and Kyle Pitts. In a vacuum, I think either one of them is is – an excellent choice, but they have Mike Kosicki there. And I have a ton of faith in Mike Kosicki and being a Penn state alumni has nothing to do with it. But at the end of the day, get your guy a weapon to us to it is a guy that had weapons around him his entire career and succeeded. Why not get him a truly spectacular wide receiver prospect and Jamar chase. Who's as fast as you need him to be is as strong as you need him to be, can run routes like anybody, just absolutely dominant player. Yeah. 
I'm with you. I mean, All yeah, right. Miami's in a position where they can kind of just take BPA, and it makes sense. Yeah, and, and moving back from six to, what was it, 12, then back up to from three to 12 to six, whatever their path was, super smart moves for them, still getting a premier player and is now you know in a position to have even more capital down the road. Miami is doing rebuild this rebuild as perfect as you could play it. Um, you hate to see it. Yeah. Speaking of rebuilds, the Detroit Lions. Lions are pretty much locked into taking uh, a receiving threat to some degree, regardless of, of who gets taken in front of them. Um, that being said, Kyle Pitts is the best receiving option here, BPA, because they have TJ Hawkinson. I'm electing to go with Jalen Waddle here. Um, I know people are kind of split between Devonta Smith and Jalen Waddle. I think Waddle is just a much more electric, dynamic player. And I think he has a much higher ceiling in the NFL. And while Kyle Pitts is a unicorn, I think Jalen Waddle is kind of the guy that fits Detroit a little bit better. Um, I do think they strongly believe in TJ Hawkinson. They spent that capital there at tight end. I think they'll go wide receiver Jalen Waddle, Alabama. Right on. Yes, sir. Do you think, just out of curiosity, go ahead. Do you think the Lions trade back here for any reason? I could see it. Just because, you know, I don't think they think they can compete, 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 compete um, in the division necessarily, which isn't to say they're going to just fucking throw in the towel, but this might be a good opportunity to get a couple more picks to tack on to the picks that you got um, for trading Matt Stafford away um, to maybe build for something just like, you know, not even saying that far down the road, just maybe like another year back or so. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying we should predict think, it because that gets messy with this mock draft situation. Right, but. which is which is why I didn't include the, like any trades in the first round here. I think they can, and I think they are primed to do so, especially if Trey Lance doesn't get taken at four because they need a receiver threat. That is so far and away their biggest need. There's going to be guys in the back end of the, the first. I mean, Jalen Waddle at seven is a reach. By all means, it's a reach talent-wise. Is it a huge reach? No. Is it a little bit of a reach? Yes. And I think moving him back or moving back and still being able to get him is a very realistic option for them. All right. Yeah, th- there's definitely going to be a trade somewhere in there. I can feel it in my bones. Somewhere here in the top oh, ten, there will yeah. be a trade. We deserve it. Number eight. Number eight, the Carolina Panthers are here. They have themselves a quarterback. They got Sam Darnold. They're going to try it out. Who? I don't know. They still have Tate Bridgewater there. They have offensive weapons. They They did say Teddy Bridgewater could seek a trade if he wanted to. Right. But at this point, going into the draft, he's still there. Right. But the biggest issue with Sam Darnold, other than Adam Gase, in 
uh, New York was a lack of options, lack of weapons. Carolina has weapons. Carolina doesn't have protection. Uh, Rashawn Slater's here, offensive tackle out of Northwestern. The number two guy, but solidly the number two guy. Offensive tackle outside of usually the first one taken. It's pretty boring in the first round. That being said, it's a safe pick. It's the smart pick. Protect your guy. Save Sam Darnold's career. He has the weapons around him. Give him time to get it to them. I, I honestly, you, you know, you could see the dude thriving just from the coaching change. Um, mm-hmm. So I think anything on top of that is really just icing on the cake. Um, God, like the Panthers are so much better situated to handle Sam Darnold than the Jets were one calendar oh a year God, ago. Yeah. So, yeah. You're, you're telling me Braxton Berrios isn't going to be Sam Darnold's top option this year? What? <laughs> <clears throat> Uh, number nine, Denver Broncos. There's a couple different ways Denver can go here. There's cornerbacks, there's linebackers, there's edge rushers. At the end of the day, I think the most valuable position here and available to them in a way that would you know benefit them the most is cornerback. I think Caleb Farley is the safe top option at cornerback. He has the athleticism. He has the room to grow into this position. This is still new for him. Crazy high ceiling. I think Denver is really going to bite at that. Um, He's not my favorite cornerback in this year's draft. We'll get to that. But I think he's going to be the first one taken. And I think Denver takes him here at nine. Just kind of, you know, helping piece that defense back together. Right on. Number 10, Dallas Cowboys doing doing a little bit of the same thing. This time, I think they're going to be bold. It's Jerry Jones. That's kind of what he does. He's a wild card. We love to see it. I think he takes my favorite cornerback in this draft, J.C. Horn out of South Carolina. The guy's an attitude. The guy is aggressive. He goes after the ball. He held a ton of top receivers in the sec uh south carolina sec acc something c i don't care i'm not looking it up i'm giving it up either way uh i think he's going to be lights out i think he has a fairly decent bust potential for being a top 10 pick um but i think he could be a a jalen ramsey kind of character uh, at cornerback so dallas cowboys jc horn I'll tell you what, I brought a beer up from dinner, went down to dinner, hotel, restaurant, drank it during the first episode we recorded tonight. Now I'm talking a bunch and my throat is dry. Need more beer. Welcome to the show, buddy. That being said, we are now through the top 10. Six picks remain. Next up on the clock, number 11, we have the New York Giants. And my God, they just had Kyle Pitts fall into their lap at 11. Arguably second, third best player all around in this draft, falling to them at number 11. They have Evan Ingram. He can't catch the ball. 
Daniel Jones needs weapons. Give him Kyle Pitts. What like who else are you going to find with that kind of ceiling, that kind of athleticism, that kind of playmaking? Easy pick. That ticket should be filled out the second they see that he doesn't get taken by Dallas. Feels too easy. It doesn't feel easy. it doesn't feel David Gettleman enough. You're right. He's going to take someone fucking dumb. I I was going to suggest what if he what if he took Mac Jones here? Mm. 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 <laughs> I don't like it. Uh, I don't like that one bit. That oh would be God. genuinely hysterical though. Uh, I Ethan would have to be put on suicide watch. Oh my God. I would laugh so unbelievably hard. You have no idea. I would lose my shit. It'd be a fun day. Yes, it would. Man, the Giants drafts for the past, uh, however long David Gilliman's been there, have all been hysterical. Oh, yeah. They've all been it's, absolutely it's, hysterical. Excuse me. It's been something every single year. Yeah. Anyway. Number 12, we have the Philadelphia Eagles, the Dirty Birds. No, these are actually the regular birds. Ravens are the Dirty Birds, but they need receiver help. All birds are dirty. off the board. You got me there. Philadelphia Eagles, desperate for receiver help. Devonta Smith, you know, he's got the speed. He's got that downhill threat ability that the Eagles love. They got Jalen Rager in the first last year. They were dumpster fire. Didn't exactly work out with a breakout rookie season. I think they need to double up year over year, grab another receiver here, get a guy like Devonta Smith who weighed in at 166 pounds at the combine at six feet tall. Wow. That's a a twig guy, but my goodness, he can play football Heisman trophy winner this year. He is a playmaker. I think Philadelphia will be happy with the tandem of young receivers they'll have there. Any comments, Joshua? Uh, I mean, not really. This, uh, yeah, I don't give a shit about about the birds. I don't disagree with you there. I mean, the division as it stands right now, the NFC East is such a crapshoot right now anyway. Mm-hmm. I it it almost feels like all of their teams are irrelevant. The team moves, um, which is a ridiculous thing to say. But at the same time, the division is such dog shit, and there's really no telling who's actually going to. Dallas has the best chance of actually getting better coming into next season because they'll have a full year uh, post injury. Uh, Dak Prescott, and then you have to assume Dak Prescott comes back from injury looking normal, which I you'd think he would. Modern medicine's pretty cool, yeah. Um, and his his injury shouldn't be anything super lasting, but who knows, man? Small injuries can derail entire careers. It's shit's fucking wacky. So oh, yeah. with that division, who who the fuck who fucking knows? I don't know. I so. mean, if if Devonta Smith has a breakout season and Jalen Hurts has a connection with him and Jalen Rager. I could totally see them winning the division this year. Yeah, totally. Uh, the only two teams, real, well, the only two teams, there's only four teams. Uh, I don't think Washington does it again. Um, 
they won't have Alex Smith, which actually is saying a lot. Um, when we should do something oh, yeah. for his career next week. We should. Um, and I don't buy Taylor Heineke much. Um, I'm not saying he's bad. I don't think he's going to win you the division. Um, and then the Giants are a fucking mess. So I, oh, who the fuck knows? <laughs> who the fuck knows? Next up at number 13, we have the Los Angeles Chargers. We wanted them to protect Justin Herbert last year. We wanted them to get some some offensive line help for their young quarterback. We talk about how important that is, especially for young quarterbacks time and time again. I think they take a little bit of a reach here. They take Christian Derisaw, offensive tackle out of Virginia Tech. He has weapons around him. You got running backs. You got receivers. You don't really have a tight end anymore, but that's not important. Offensive tackle, protect your young, good quarterback. Make the investment. It's not hard. Yeah, I mean, Justin not Herbert sexy. showed himself to be a, a playmaker. And I think he's going to be, if he develops by building upon last year's performance, I think he can be a guy that can um, squeeze performances out of wide receivers. But in order for him Absolutely. to be able to do that, he needs time uh, in the pocket. And that's just going to come from offensive line. <laughs> all there is to it so oh my god yes i'm with you uh number 14 the minnesota vikings they got a new man on the minnesota vikings uh they need some cornerback help there's really no defensive lineman here that i would take above patrick sertan jr cornerback out of alabama i think there's a three-headed dog here i was trying to say cerberus but i, I panicked about how to pronounce it whatever um patrick sertan jr uh minnesota vikings filling out their secondary uh mike zimmer needs some defensive help after a historically bad year for them last year i think this is a a great value pick for them right on at 15 New England Patriots, probably the most likely team to move up, you know, likely with the Detroit Lions, if I had to take a wild guess. But no trades here in this first round. New England Patriots, I've I've been taking Mac Jones, quarterback at Alabama. I think Bill is getting up there. I don't think he wants to to teeter around trying to see if Cam Newton is going to figure out, um, you know, how to play post soldier shoulder surgery shoulder surgery and i don't think he wants to play the free agent carousel anymore begging tom to come back so i think they take mac jones sees what he got there this year behind cam newton well i guess that's maybe the second coming of uh bill belichick dynasty coming next year that's the question is like does bill use this pick to build for the future or is he planning a retirement? Cause the man is 69. Nice. That is old. Um, nice. It is. It's nice, but it's also old. And, you know, do you use the power of the GM position to leave behind a team that could compete in your absence in the near future? Or, do you use the capital you have now to better build a win now team with the pieces in place and quarterback that you already have? 
you know, do you take a more NFL ready person and kind of play towards Cam Newton's strengths, just riding with Newton? Uh, or do you actually take a young quarterback here? Uh, and I have no idea. I don't know what type of guy Bill Belichick is. I got the impression he wants to, you know, he wanted to do this without Brady to show that he could do it. And to that effect, I kind of makes me feel like he actually wouldn't take a quarterback. Um, but I, no fucking clue. Absolutely no fucking clue here. The Patriots, this draft is such a big wild card. Oh my God. Yeah. And at the end of the day, I think Bill is not going to retire until he dies on the field. I'll take either one. Okay. Well, my whole life. It's been my whole life. This man is Satan. I'm so sorry. Satan. I'm so sorry. So to close out the first half of the NFL draft in 2021, the Arizona Cardinals pick. They, they had a top five player fall to them at 16. Micah Parsons, linebacker out of Penn State. Not a coverage guy, but is definitely going to be the best run-stopping linebacker and the best blitzing linebacker in this draft. Excellent leader, excellent communicator. Spearhead of any defense you put him in. Um, they drafted a linebacker of the future last year. They're drafting a linebacker of the future this year. That defense is going to be scary very soon with those guys prowling behind guys like Chandler Jones and J.J. Watt. Uh, Kyler Murray, he's got offensive weapons. I think, you know, outside of offensive line, which there really isn't many guys in this realm at 16, and especially no one on either side of the ball with the value of Micah Parsons there. If Parsons gets past New England at 15, I think this is the absolute latest he can go. Uh, I, I love the value there for Arizona. I hate that Micah Parsons fell to 16. But, hey, that's our first half of the 2020 NFL mock draft. Um, yeah, it's like 1045. I can't talk. Yeah, it's late as shit. Um, I, I, I would love to talk more, but I, I can't right now. So, Josh, you got anything you want to say? No, I mean, obviously, the, the, there's other things that there are to discuss in the world of the NFL specifically, but, you know, sports in general and other things that matter that have happened recently. But at the same time, um, we have our limitations as human beings. It is very fucking late. Um, and if you listen to our movies review podcast, Juicing the Big Screen, we just uh, recorded that right before this, which took a good hour and a half as the Oscars are coming up. So first off, check out that podcast. Since I guess I'm already talking about it. We're already here. So go find it. Um, yeah, but we're we're humans. And you know, this is a shorter episode than we usually do. But also, this is free and you take what you fucking get. Um, Blood. <laughs> Uh, all right. So all then, yeah, we'll wrap it up here with that. Um, we'll do part two of the mock draft uh, next uh, or on Monday's episode. And maybe we'll talk about what potential trades we would foresee and what those would look like to fill out the you know, discussion a little bit further. And we'll touch on some other topics that have come up in, in um, sports and media news recently. Um, but until then, if you want to follow the show on Twitter, you can do so at Juicing Pod. 
If you want to hit us up via email, you can do so at juicethenumbers at gmail.com. If you want to follow Corwin on Twitter, you can do so at Corwin Heller. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can do so at Joshua D. Tracy. Um, oh, hat today, Bronx brand. Check him out. Very Bronxy. Very fun. Um, and uh, yeah, that's the show. So until. Uh, yeah, fuck it, man. That's the show. So until. Uh, I can. Got Monday. Y'all have a good one. Bye.